Welcome to worship this morning at Seattle Mennonite Church. This is a Father's Day, and this is about as much acknowledgement as we will get that it is Father's Day, but we are grateful for, we are grateful to our Father God who nurtures and protects us, and we're grateful to all of the fathers, and happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads who are joining us this morning. There's many of you. We're grateful to have you in our congregation and for all the ways folks father us. That reminds me, I need to call my own dad later today, I guess. Uh, wherever we worship, we worship on land that was first the land of the indigenous people of this continent. And for us here in Seattle, that is the Duwamish. And we're grateful for our relationship with them and continue to want to support their advocacy to be recognized by the federal government. Um, in our joint councils, about a week ago, week and a half ago, we were invited to consider what rules we might break in defense of Black lives. And one that arose out of Discipleship Council, one of the rules was who gets featured in the pulpit when we preach. Um, you almost always hear either Megan or I or another pastor, particularly um, recently, and we have been given the opportunity to amplify and feature Black preachers, Black voices, and theologians from this Zoom pulpit in the way that we wouldn't have to. We're already sort of breaking the rules for what worship looks like. Um, that will likely mean that we'll be tossing out some of our planned act series uh, later on down the road in summer, but for, day, for today we're still uh, we're still spending time with some of those first Christians. We're still spending time with uh, Peter and the, and the first disciples as they try to figure out what it means to be followers of Jesus with no Jesus to follow. And uh, the first, in those first chapters of Acts, we see them boldly declaring their allegiance to Christ, allegiance to God over allegiance to government, over allegiance to laws, over the rules of empire and boldness in holding fast to justice and their mutual support in community as they do that together. So they are, they are already upsetting the rules of what it means um, to, to be a citizen, to be in this world as they, as they boldly follow Jesus. And in that spirit, I invite you to hear this call to worship. Filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by the risen Christ, in the way of the first believers, may we heal and share with boldness. May we offer love with boldness. May we prophesy with boldness and may we worship with boldness. And may the Spirit of God continue to fill us. The example of the uprisen Christ continue to empower us. And the love of God surround and support us in our bold gospel life. Our gathering this music this morning is Jesus Christ is waiting. Uh, and I invite you to really pay attention to the words. Part of the reason that we found this song so moving was not only is Jesus Christ waiting, Jesus is raging and dancing and calling in the street and waiting for us to join him. Can you hear me okay? So this is a little high for the morning, but it goes like this. 
Jesus Christ is waiting, waiting in the streets. No one is his neighbor, all alone he is. Listen, Lord Jesus, I am lonely too. Make me friend or stranger, fit to wait on you. Jesus Christ is raging, raging in the streets, where injustice spirals and real hope retreats. Listen, Lord Jesus, well, I am angry too. In the kingdom's causes, let me rage with you. Jesus Christ is healing, healing in the streets, curing those who suffer, touching those he greets. Listen, Lord Jesus, I have pity too. Let me be active, healing just like you. Jesus Christ is dancing, dancing in the streets where each sign of hatred he with love defeats listen lord jesus i should triumph too where good conquers evil let me dance with you Jesus Christ is calling, calling in the streets. Who will join my journey? I will guide their feet. Listen, Lord Jesus, let my fears be few. Walk one step before me, and I will follow you. We light our peace candle each week to acknowledge that we both witness to and participate in God's vision for a just peace for all of creation. This week, as we hear about the first disciples or the first apostles of Jesus being imprisoned for their boldness in proclamation, I remember one of the demands of the protest and of the ongoing protest in Seattle, and that is that all of the protesters who have been imprisoned because of their bold presence in the face of injustice 
the demand that they be released. And so in this, we pray for a just peace. And together, we pray, we long for just peace. We pray for a just peace, and we too choose to live for a just peace. May peace be with you, and also with each of you. I just love seeing people do, doing those signs along with me. For our children's time this morning, uh, Megan's going to give me a hand and share a screen, share her screen with me as we look at some pictures that Anita shared with me. Now, uh, these are pictures from the Ikofo Rutegama School in, um, in Burundi. Burundi is a very small country, kind of in between uh, Rwanda and Zimbabwe. It's like, it's, and, and the Congo on one side. So it's, it's just a very little country um, that we have been in part, we've been in partnership as a congregation with this organization for, for many years. And so this is the sign at the front of the school that, that um, we're seeing now. And if Megan goes to the next picture, then we'll see the view from the front of this school. Um, she's trying, there we go. Uh, and the pictures are a little bit small, so you want to maybe get close to your screens, or I think you might even have like a, on your viewing options, you can, you can zoom in a little bit. Um, so you'll see this is the view from the front of the school. I just zoomed it myself to 150%. Um, and you can see some of the children, some of the smaller children. This is a school that, that ranges up to eighth grade. Mm -hmm. You'll see the children there with um, the, the tan uh, outfits. That's their uniforms, but you can see they're not very, um, they're not very strict about what, needing to wear a uniform. This was my experience when Naomi had to wear a uniform in elementary school. Um, no kid gets turned away because they're not wearing their uniform. Um, in the next couple of slides, you'll see um, some people might remember, I think it was four or five years ago, we collected books to share with the library in this school. So here are some of the books that we sent. And we also collected money for seeds. And this is the seeds that they have. So those seeds were planted in gardens at that school. And so one of the things that the children learn how to do, so the next slide you'll see some one of the clubs. So this is one of the clubs. This is the drumming club. They also, the kids there play soccer and they have a peace club, which is amazing. And boy, could they teach us something about um, peacemaking. And so this is one of the after school activities, drumming, they also do dancing. Um, but those seeds, um, uh, were one of the things that, that aided one of their clubs. So the next slide, several slides are gardening. So they, they started a gardening club, a gardening program. So you can see all different ages of kids have started being engaging in gardening. And these are some of the gardens that you see here. They're weeding um, what looks to me like corn, but uh, I don't know for sure. Um, and then the next one, Anita says, this is how you plow the garden. So everyone brings their own shovel from home and they line up and they walk the lengths of the garden, loosening up the, the soil. And um, the little kids, the littler kids, so you see one child, they're carrying something. The little kids are um, spreading aged manure. So that is their, um, that's the way of fertilizing the soil and amending the soil to make it better for growing and 
So one of the reasons that we're sharing these pictures now is because we've been collecting. So for many years, when we gathered in person, children, you brought your coins and you put them in our offering. Um, and so this is a way of sharing with children in another part of the world to help with the gardening. And in particular, what, so we all have been taught about hand washing. So important to wash our hands right now. So we're not spreading viruses around to each other. Um, so one of the things that they're working on now is building hand washing stations so that all of the children in that school can do the same thing that we're doing in a really healthy way. Um, and especially when you're spreading manure, very important to have a hand washing station. Um, so we're gonna come to that in a minute, but the next slide, there's some of the produce. Like you can look at those giant cabbage heads. Like that's just astonishing. Like I could only hope for, for such like robust produce to come out of, of my garden. Um, <laughs> excuse me. So as we move ahead, we'll see the way, the way they collect the water. So the rainwater is collected in big barrels like this. I suspect that some of us at our own homes also have similar ways of collecting rainwater. It can then be used either for the garden or for washing hands. And I think um, for drinking water as well. So they use this both for drinking and washing hands and, and for the gardens. And so the school is starting to put in filtration systems. Um, so here's one, one of the examples of the filtration system. So they're collecting the water and the water then is filtered through layers of sand and then comes out clear when they need to use it. Um, uh, and it comes, so it comes then out of a spigot for them to drink from. Um, and then in the next slide, you'll see there's like one way that they're doing hand washing stations. So this school is hoping to have a whole number of these so they can have one in every classroom so that all the children can continue to do the same kind of thing that we're doing in our homes, which is like making sure we wash our hands, making sure we get rid of all of those germs, doing our little hand washing song so that we make sure we wash for long enough and with soap. Um, and so like you can see that, that this student is like very happy to be washing their hands, making sure we want to make sure that we want to help. Um, so all of those coins that we we've collected can can help us partner with them in in doing that in a in a healthy way. Um, so there are, we have one more slide, which is just Anita said, just some some more happy kids from this school. So we're so happy to be able to learn about about them and about each other, and we have welcomed um, folks from their school here to teach us adults about peacemaking. Um, and so that's something that we partner in. And as we go forward, we'll have to figure out another project when we're back together again to collect our coins and find partners in other places to, to use that money that we're collecting. Thanks, Megan, for helping share those pictures for me. Presumably you can hear me okay throughout that and it's been fine. I'd make and do that because we were having some problems last week. Our scripture for this morning is, as I said, from Acts 4, um, and two chunks of Acts 4, uh, from 1 to 21, and then from 31 to 35. When Peter and John were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came to them, much annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming that Jesus, that in Jesus there is resurrection of the dead. So they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. 
But many of those who had heard the word believed, and they numbered about 5,000. The next day, their rulers and elders and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and all who were a part of the high priestly family. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or name do you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, people and elders, if we are questioned today because of the good deed done to someone who was sick and asked how this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel, this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders. It has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved. Now they saw the boldness in Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men, and they were amazed and recognized them as companions of Jesus. When they saw the man that had been, that had been cured standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. So they ordered them to leave the council while they discussed the matter with one another. They said, what will we do with them? For it is obvious to all who live in Jerusalem that a notable sign has been done through them. We cannot deny it. But to keep it from spreading further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and they ordered them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in God's sight to listen to you rather than to God, you must be judged. For we cannot keep from speaking what we have seen and heard. After threatening them again, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all of them praised God for what had happened. And here we jump to that last part of the chapter. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what had been sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it, is, it was distribute, distributed to any as had need. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. We're going to continue our worship in song. This is a song from Zimbabwe. And one of the things I've thought about Zimbabwe a few a number of times during this coronavirus because at times it's looked like we didn't know what was going to happen and how bad things were get, going to get and how bad the economy was going to get. And um, when I was in Zimbabwe, 
for Mennonite World Conference, Students of Filming, we went into a store and there was like five things on the shelf. And they said, people were going, wow, there's a lot of things on the shelf. You should have been here two months ago. There was nothing on the shelves. And people talked about how they'd saved all their lives for their kids to go to college. And now their, their money was absolutely like worth two pennies. And yet they were alive and getting along and rejoicing and, and struggling, but you know, surviving. And um, it made me realize, so I just always think back on that. And I think when well, things get bad here, well, you know, people have had it a lot worse. So this is song, we, we will follow Jesus and then we'll add a couple of, of lines to it and you can just follow along. follow Jesus. We will follow everywhere he goes. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll act justly. We'll act justly. We will follow Jesus. We'll act justly. Everywhere he goes, we'll act justly. We will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll love mercy. We'll love mercy, we will follow Jesus. We'll love mercy everywhere he goes. We'll love mercy, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We'll walk humbly. We'll walk humbly, we will follow Jesus. We'll walk humbly everywhere he goes. We'll walk humbly, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. We will follow everywhere he goes. We will follow, we will follow Jesus. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. Everywhere he goes, we will follow. Thank you. I really liked the insertion of Micah 6.8 there. That was really lovely. Never done that before. Thanks, Michael. Uh, so I'm going to start with a question, which is, who is the main character in the book of Acts? If you read just the first few chapters up through, say, chapter four, which was our reading this morning, you might say Peter. Peter seems to be the main character. If you read the entire book, you might say Paul, because clearly this is, this, is, this is a Paul book. He is just all over for the rest of the book. But in either case, I think you've missed the best answer, <laughs> which is that the main character in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit. And this has just been, uh, as I have dove into Acts, probably in a deeper way than maybe I ever have, in my life, at least in sort of a sustained way. Uh, it is just so clear. The Holy Spirit is all over the book of Acts from start to finish. This is really a story of the Spirit and, this, and the people experiencing the presence of God's Spirit and feeling empowered by God's Spirit. And uh, it just feels all sort of new to them. And so um, I'm returning in some ways to how we sort of started Zoom Church with my sermon in a sentence. So here you go. In the drama of Acts, the main character is God's spirit, 
and the plot is the common. So you're going to have to hang on to figure out what that means. But that's the sermon in the sentence. In the drama of Acts, the main character is God's spirit, and the plot is the common. So um, one of the things that is uh, um, interesting and, and flavors the way that we read the Bible is who we are right, reading the Bible with. And one of you posted something on Facebook this week. Some uh, Who was it? Was it Mike O'Leary? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, about sort of how we see ourselves in certain characters in Bible stories often. We often see ourselves with the victor. I, I have done this before in a sermon where I'm like, oh, look at that. I was reading the text and I was identifying with Jesus. Do I honestly think that I'm Jesus in this story? <laughs> no, but it just sort of happens. So who you read the Bible with can impact and flavor how you understand it and see it. Um, and so the conversation partners matter and can open us up to new insights. And um, you know, therefore, liberation theologies, um, uh, theologies that emerged out of Black communities and out of uh, Latinx communities and queer communities. And so there are many sort of flavors of liberation theologies that emerged as people read the text um, with different conversation partners and saw different things and reading the text from the margins um, which of course is where Jesus was hanging out, um, gives you a different um, perspective, perhaps. Uh, folks who read the Bible with those who are in prison, for example, um, may see a very different message. Uh, those who are reading the Bible with those living on the streets um, may have new insights. So it matters who we are reading the Bible with. So um, I've been reading Acts, with Willie James Jennings. And I'm just gonna show you this book. This is part of why the sermon's gonna be long today is because I kind of just wanna read this to you. I won't do that, I promise. It looks like a boring commentary because it is part of you know a typical sort of commentary series. This one, in fact, interestingly enough, it's gonna be long anyway, make it a little longer. Um, this series was curated by Amy Platinga Pow. Anybody recognize that name? <laughs> That's Bob's niece. Do I have that right, Bob? I think it's niece. No? Uh, something. Family. It's Bob's family. <laughs> um, but Willie James Jenning is the author of this commentary. And um, if you read my newsletter, you already have a brief introduction to who he, was, who he is. He is a professor at Yale Divinity School. He's a professor of systematic theology and also Africana studies. Uh, he's a prolific writer. He's a sought-after speaker. He's an ordained Baptist minister. He is a black man. He is a multi-award winner in religious and theological professional circles. So he is a lauded writer, speaker, teacher, educator. Um, and his um, reflections are super engaging, including um, his, I think he's the one who's coined this, his idea of the common as revealed in the book of Acts. So, in the drama of Acts, the main character is God's spirit, and the plot is the common. So a few notes. He starts his um, commentary by saying, Acts, the book of Acts is about revolution. That's the first sentence of his commentary. Um, it is about revolution and about the disturbing presence of the, or the disrupting presence. I'm sorry, disrupting. I mean, it disturbs things. It's sort of a 
a um, synonym there, but the disrupting presence of the Holy Spirit. So the way that the Spirit disrupts um, status quo <clears throat> and empowers revolution. The second thing I want to say is that um, he talks about our faith being caught between the diaspora and the empire. So the people who li are living in diaspora focused on survival, and then people who are in power places in the empire that sort of intoxic intoxicated with power, um, and that the spirit, the Holy Spirit offers a new world. That's where the revolution comes in, a new world to both to the, both those who are living in diaspora and those who are in power in the empire. Holy, the Holy Spirit is disrupting and is offering a new world, a new way of living to both. He also says very early on that to follow Jesus is to betray one's people, especially in these early years. To follow Jesus is to betray one's people because the Holy Spirit isn't gonna release anyone just to self-interpretation. Slave, free, Jew, Gentile. No, the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts is going to relentlessly prod each and every one to the common. And here it is, the common. The Holy Spirit prodding each and every one, regardless of where our position is, toward the common. And this is Jennings' name for the common, is his name for joined life for the way that we join together in life and that redistribution of resources so that all have enough, which in that time and frankly in this time is still a little bit criminal. Uh, he talks about the desire of God being divine love. Um, and here I am gonna read just a bit. He says, people caught up in the love of God not only began to give thanks for their daily bread, but daily offered to God whatever they had that might speak that gracious love to others. What is far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth or fair distribution of goods. So he's saying it wasn't a plan. It wasn't like, okay, now we got to create a plan for how we're going to distribute the wealth. What is far more dangerous, he says, than that is a God who dares impose on us divine love. Such love will not be, will not play fair. And what he's saying is that as the Holy Spirit infuses people and communities into divine love, they can't help but share. <laughs> they can't help but join life and well-being and resources with one another. Okay. So our story is in chapter four, and Peter and John, who you might confuse as some main characters in the story. Uh, it's really the Holy Spirit, of course. Peter and John are testifying to this disrupting spirit and to the life it inspires, the common, the life to which we are all prodded by the Holy Spirit. They're testifying to that, and it tells us early in the story, as Amy read it to us, that the authorities were annoyed <laughs> I love that the NRSV uses annoyed. I didn't look up. I don't know what the Greek word is, but um, they were annoyed, but they were also more than annoyed because they ended up arresting and holding them in custody. So I think there's more than annoyance going on. I think the authorities were also in some way threatened um, by this testifying. And so the next day after they've held them in custody overnight, the next day, the authorities summon Peter and John and some of the others, and they say, by what power 
are you testifying this? In what name are you saying all of these things? And Peter, filled again with the Holy Spirit, the main character in the book of Acts, testifies that we are doing this in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And he very explicitly says, God's power is greater than your power. Um, ugh, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. This is one of those places in the text where it, it's led to some, like the tradition of anti-Semitism in Christian circles, because it sounds like the Christians are telling the Jews, you crucify Jesus, but that's not what's happening here. This is an in-house conversation. These people are part of the same community um, and, uh, and are debating amongst themselves. So this is not an accusatory, I mean, it is accusatory, but it's not one group othering another group. This is an in-group um, debate. Anyway, he is saying, you tried to stop the power of Jesus, but God's power was greater than yours. Um, so that's what Peter says. And the authorities see his boldness. And boldness is going to make several appearances in this chapter. So this is the first appearance. The authorities order the prisoners away so that they can have some time behind closed doors. And then we actually get to listen in. It's interesting in Acts that we get to actually see this conversation that happens behind closed doors, they're strategizing uh, about how they can shut this down. Um, and so they strategize as counsel, um, and then they call the prisoners back in, and then they threaten them. They tell them, okay, we're going to release you. We can't not release you, but stop it. You cannot do this anymore. Um, and then Peter responds. I love his answer. He's like, you know, whether it's better to listen to you or to listen to God, I'm going to let you judge that. But what I'm going to tell you is that I can't stop. So you got to be the judge of whether I should listen to you or God. But what I'm telling you is I can't stop testifying in the name of Jesus. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep bearing witness to what I've seen and what I have heard, what we have seen and what we have heard. So the authorities threaten them one more time, but also release them because it says the people. The people would not have allowed them to stay in custody because they, they were demanding that the prisoners be set free. So now I'm just going to move us through a couple of themes as Willie, again, Willie Jennings, Willie James Jennings is the one um, that I'm crediting for this understanding of Acts and reading through the, the lens that he brings. Criminality, opportunity, boldness, and finally the common. Uh, and the first is criminality. The fate of Jesus is the fate of Jesus's followers. He writes, the disciples knew that this confrontation was coming. The struggle against those in power that marked the life and death of Jesus was coming for them as well. The great illusion of followers of Jesus, especially those who imagine themselves leaders, is that they could live a path different from Jesus and his disciples. They believe somehow that they can be loved or at least liked, or at least tolerated, or even ignored by those with real power in the world. Hey, how about that? Followers of Jesus cannot expect to be loved, liked, tolerated, or even ignored by those with real power in this world. Whoo! Those are some weird words that pierce my heart. <laughs> Criminality. Willie James Jennings says that real preaching and authentic teaching is inextricably bound to criminality. That it was criminal then, it's criminal now. 
We should always understand ourselves as secular critics who unrelentingly call into question the gods of this age. <sighs> the status quo. Mm. Again, here, I just want to read you the whole thing, but I'm not going to. Okay, so that's criminality. Next opportunity, and this is going to be brief, but there was an opportunity. There was an opportunity for those authorities, those who were sitting in judgment of the judge, there was an opportunity for them to tr also transgress a boundary. There was an opportunity for them to join. There was an opportunity for them to build a new life. There was an opportunity for them to hear the good news of Jesus and, and the new way of joined life together in the common. There was an opportunity for them to cross the line from judge to join the judged. And instead they chose to continue in their threats and wielding the empire's power. But there was opportunity. There is always opportunity to choose differently. Okay, boldness is the third theme here. Boldness, I told you that it, was, it makes several appearances in this fourth chapter of Acts. And one of the things that I found so refreshing and fascinating about Jennings' um, reflections on boldness in this chapter and throughout Acts is that he claims boldness is collective. It is not individual. It is collective, both in this story and also in our story, in our time. Okay, I am going to read a quote here, trying not to read the whole chapter, but I am reading some quotes. Um, Peter speaks boldly, Jennings writes, but this boldness is not the result of character refinement or character refinement or moral formation. Peter has not become the great man who stares down his enemies with epic courage, the kind that creates an odyssey or a heroic tale. Indeed, there is no such thing as individual boldness for the followers of Jesus. Of course, each disciple can and must be bold, but their boldness is always a together boldness, a joined boldness a boldness born of intimacy. And then he goes on to talk about the lie of individuality, which some of us have worked on sort of a white supremacy, like markers of white supremacist culture. And one of those is individualism. And so I'm reading this and I'm thinking, ah, oh, here it is. The power of the Holy Spirit of boldness is always a collective power. It's always a coming together and born of intimacy, he says. So it's born of that shared life together that then we, become bold. <sighs> yeah, you know what, it's long, whatever. Here we go. So um, one of those quotes that you know gets shared a lot is, if you have come to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. So really lovely, really lovely and inspiring. Uh, there's a reason why we encounter that quote over and over again. One of the things that I learned this week for the first time is that this is often attributed to Lila Watson, this quote. So you'll see this quote and you'll see that it's Lila Watson. However, she insists that it be attributed to Aboriginal activists from Queensland, Australia in the 1970s. She insists that it was a collective endeavor and, uh, and so you'll see this now um, out there sometimes that, you know, it has been attributed to Lila Watson, but she insists that it not be attributed to her individually and her name, but it be attributed to the collective. What a beautiful expression of that boldness being a, a, a gift 
um, to the community. Okay. So our reading picks up then after their collective prayer for boldness and that place shakes and Willie James Jennings really beautifully talks about how the shaking of the place is not just an expression of God's power, but God's joy. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? God's joy that the people are together, that they are praying for boldness, that they are ready to join the common. <sighs> Sermon in a sentence, in the drama of Acts, the main character is God's spirit and the plot is the common. So finally we get to the common, the common which is a gift realized by the spirit. The, the people are released to one another. They are responsible for and accountable to one another. This is what he writes. The followers of Jesus released themselves to one another, making themselves responsible for and accountable to one another. And now we get to what we often think of, of the common, which is the, they held resources in common, right? Like, so we read about this in the early chapters of Acts, how they, none had need. Um, they brought everything that they had and they just, they laid it at the feet of the disciples and then resources were redistributed to those who had need so that no one had need. Um, so Jennings says, matters of money are inescapable. They are at the heart of discipleship. Matters of money are at the heart of discipleship. He says, but they are not the heart of discipleship. So they're at the heart, they're not the heart. Money here will be used to destroy what money normally is used to create. Distance and boundaries between people. Boundaries between the haves and the have-nots, the needy and the comfortable. So here we are, and Jennings invited me, and now I invite you, um, based on his reading of this text, to not just focus, sometimes we read these, th these verses about the sharing of things in common, and we focus on the spectacular giving, like, oh, isn't that amazing how much they gave? Jennings says, the focus is on the spectacular joining. It's the joining. It's the joining of lives together. That's the heart of it. That's what's spectacular. And then that enables, of course, the giving and the sharing. That just follows. That just flows. That's just sort of the next practical way of being intimate community with one another. Jennings has introduced me, um, and I am grateful, to a God who feverishly seeks to create the common. Oh, isn't that good? <laughs> In the drama of Acts, the main character is God's spirit. And the plot is the common. It's a drama into which we are invited, even to this day. Thanks be to God, and may it be so. May it be so. <sighs> may the Holy Spirit be the main character in our lives, disrupting our sense of comfort and empowering us to act. Thanks be to God for those courageous words. As we gather in prayer, let us, uh, I invite you to use the chat box to name any of your prayers. I will include those and read them out loud. Invite you to just be in touch with your breath. Notice 
your experience in the moment. Let us pray. Creator God, who pours out your spirit on your church to follow in the way of Jesus, like the first apostles, we pray with boldness and confidence, yet full of weary longing for all that is broken in our world and in our communities. Meet us in our prayer as we share the pain and name our gratitude. We are grateful for those who have fathered us today. And if you are close by to one of those fathers, give them a squeeze. Let them know that they are loved and cherished. Yay. We hold in our hearts the mem many memories of those fathers who have long passed, as well as those who are distant or estranged. <sighs> we pray for healing and relief for Sarah Augustine. After surgery this past week to treat her neurological pain, May the surgery do its intended work of relieving her neuralgia. And may this next month off of work be a time of recovery and rest and healing. We pray also for the healing of Samuel Darlene's dad who went through surgery this past week for brain cancer. We give thanks for a successful surgery and ask for your presence with him in the long road of recovery ahead. We pray for Samuel, Christy, and Jedediah who had traveled by car to join Samuel's family in California. Be safe. We continue to pray for Caitlin and her growing baby. Grateful that they have exceeded the hopes and expectations of their doctors but know that the longer Caitlin can stay pregnant, the better. Keep them safe and healthy and keep that baby growing inside for as long as possible. We celebrate with many others in the nation and give thanks for the rights gained in the Supreme Court this week. With LGBTQ people, and their allies, we praise you for this community that will be protected by law in their place, in their workplaces from discrimination based on sexual orientation, gender, or expression. Thanks be to God. And with DACA, with our dreamers, we sigh with relief and gratitude that the Supreme Court has allowed these young people to go on with their lives without the threat of deportation hanging over their heads hallelujah prayers for of gratitude for Juneteenth celebrations in black communities across our country and for perseverance in the long-standing labors for liberation and justice we ask for protection from violence for the people in the Capitol Hill organized protest who desire 
peace. We stand with those who want to end the murder of black and brown people. We celebrate the accomplishment of SMC cyclists who rode 100 miles yesterday on World Refugee Day to raise funds for the essential work of world relief in welcoming refugees to our country and here in Washington state. We are grateful for the radical changes being made by corporations. We pray for the healing of this nation, for understanding and forgiveness in places of hurt. We ask for wisdom and new revenue opportunities for our local and state governments that are facing major budget shortfalls. We pray that this pandemic will not result in an increase to homelessness as people suffer economically. And turning to the chat. From Jennifer Delante, we pray together for healing for her 88-year-old aunt, Mayoka, hospitalized yesterday with a mild stroke. We pray together with Ruth Ediger, who offers praise and thanks for a friend and his wife who had a successful kidney transplant and pray for continued healing for both of them. We pray together with Lee, grateful that her father has moved back home from rehab and on this Father's Day will be meeting his sixth great grandson. We pray together with Pete and Pat, thankful for Pete's brother, who works at the nursing home in Grand Rapids, Michigan, who we've been praying for for many weeks, that there are no new COVID cases in the patients or the staff for the last three weeks. We pray together with Kent McDaniel for his senior caregiver who passed away, likely from COVID. I'm so sorry. And from Weldon, we pray for families being bombed by Turkey in the Iraqi Kyrgyzstan, especially the families of five young men killed when a Turkish missile struck their car a couple of days ago. From Annalena, for their son Josh and his girlfriend Sammy who are in quarantine from, with COVID-19. They are in Phoenix and we're planning on moving to Seattle. We pray for their protection and their recovery. We pray together with Zach and Caitlin. Prayers of gratitude that there has been a solid week of stable blood pressure and that Caitlin may be cleared to continue bed rest at home as early as tomorrow. Thanks be to God. 
Spirit of God, in the naming of these prayers, both silently and aloud. Always may you go before us and behind us, beneath us and above us. Fill us and surround us. Keep us bearing witness and not expect to be liked. In the name of Jesus, we pray toward a common future, a joined life of intimacy and caring for the least of these in our community. Thanks be to God. Amen. Oh, amen. Uh, so much longing and so much praise uh, in our community this morning. As we bless our offerings, I think in anticipation of our uh, of our uh, our Sunday school coming up, as we hear more about our property development, our donations go to the work of that this community is doing, including our discernment about how we will use our property. And in the spirit of what Pastor Megan preached, I pray that our money and property may destroy what, what money and property has been used to create. And in fact, enable spectacular joining in this community. I pray that always of, of the money that we share as community and of our property. Uh, as, we go, as we go from this place, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> Uh, as we conclude our time of worship, I invite Michael to lead us in our closing song. Here for a minute, be back now. Um, this is called Before Me is Peace, and I'll just sing it a little bit, and you can just catch on and sing along, and we'll add love and hope, and you know, kind of like we did at the beginning of the first song. So. For me is peace, behind me is peace, below me is peace, above me is peace, around me is peace, within me is peace, around me Within me is peace, before me is love, before me is love, behind me is love, below me is love, above me is love, around me is love, within
indeed may love, hope, and peace see within and around and before and behind and encompassing all of who we are in our discernment as people of God's peace and led by the Spirit into radical joining. We pray in the name of Jesus, who always goes before us. Amen.